0: podcast of the sunday celebration from the center for spiritual living in huntsville alabama we hope you feel the grace the beauty and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week The universe has told us through Bob Marley's spirit to not worry. Trey's mother used to say, Not to worry, time, because everything is going to be all right. These are crazy times. Someone put a calendar out on the table in the bookstore. It said a second bomb isn't going to make us better. And I had to back away. Oh, okay. I know that everything's going to be all right in a world that seems to be out of control. We get to find that place within our heart, that centered place. that's always there, waiting for us. Mr. Eckhart says, we keep asking God, where did you go? Where did you go? While God is saying to us, where did you go? And so what if there is this something within all of us? Let's call it a peace that passes all understanding. That's what Jesus called it. And that abiding peace is there amidst all the chaos that's all around us. And we're always at choice point. We can choose to go to the circumference of life. And we can stomp our feet and cover our head with pillows and run away. Or we can find that still point that's waiting in the silence. In the silence there is peace. In the silence, there's unspoken joy. In the silence, there's release from a world filled with chaos and hope. So I wait for these sacred moments when I hear from that still small voice something that I don't hear so much out in the world, a voice that's reminding me that I'm always there for you. Turn to me. And allow me to erase you. And so this Sunday morning, let's make an intention to open our heart to that space of divine love. And let it hold us for this brief time together. We feel it in the love with each other. And we also feel it with this, mm, the Sophia within, the divine feminine within. She holds the wisdom key. And so this Sunday we're gonna open to those wisdom patterns of transformation where we let go of the order to enter into the chaos of transformation so that a reordering can take place at this higher vibration of love, peace, and wholeness. This is our intention. and We plant this seed into the garden of the heart so that it might grow knowing that everything is well, and all shall be well, as Julian of Norwich said. And with a smile and a deep gratitude, we'll say together, and so it, is. Yes, so it is. I remember the very first uh, workshop I took as a student in the Atlanta church years ago. I was in my 30s, and it was about the last step of treatment, the last step of prayer. And The last step of prayer is the release step. It's the amen step. It's the letting go step. And so once you plant a seed, a possibility, a seed of intention, and that starts to hopefully grow within your subjective mind, within your consciousness, could we then, when we plant the seed, not have to run back to the pot and dig it up? Is it growing yet? Is it growing yet? It, sometimes it might take a decade for this God seed of your being to grow. And it was Meister Eckhart that also said, if you plant a pear seed, you get a pear tree. If you plant an acorn, you get an oak tree. But if you plant a God seed, Well, what do you think you're going to get then, Miss Anastasia? Well, I guess it's something that wants to happen. Could we trust that that's what we're doing here every Sunday? We're nurturing this garden within our heart where we planted seeds of love, seeds of higher intention, so that they might grow in the body of our experience. Not always looking to the outside to see what the garden has manifested, but always have an intention. Am I in integrity with what I'm doing as I'm tending this experience called the life that I've been given? And then we, we nurture it with compassion, not with fear. I could be afraid that the garden is not going to turn out the way I want it to, or I could also have compassion. It might be much greater and more surprising than I ever thought it would be. Gigi knows how crazy I am, and I've ordered plants from all over the world. I was in a, a lovely garden in Atlanta, and um, the landscaper who did it, come on in, Miss Carrot, so good to see you. And he had this very rare plant called the rice paper plant, and he pulled one out of his garden and he gave it to me. Well, now it's taking over my garden. It's like invasive. And I found out, my friend Tom was visiting me. He came home to his gardens. He was out speaking and he was the landscaper for all the gardens in Buckhead, the wealthy area of Atlanta. He came home and his house was on fire. He ran into his house to save the dogs. And he didn't make it out. And he says, this probably will make you really upset. And I said, you know what? I love that plant now more than I've ever loved it. He ran into his house to save his dogs. That's something, who else would do that here? Yeah, well, hello. And um, so now I look at that plant with different eyes. Is it an invasive plant? No, it's a sacred plant. So you're all getting a, a rice paper plant for Christmas. and um, <laughs> It's all perception, how you see it. One man's pest is another man's treasure. Could we see life like that? And sometimes we need a hell of a lot of compost in order for us to grow strong. And and I use that as a nice metaphor. There's got to be a pony in there somewhere for so many of us. And when you can find that pony in all the stuff that you're, like my little sister called me today, she doesn't understand why we had such messed up parents. I said, honey, I think they were all messed up, everybody. You know, they did the best they could. Mom and dad were works in progress. And by the time she came along, they didn't even talk to one another. She said, they set a horrible example. I said, yeah, but isn't it nice to know what not to do? so that you can have it and then you, you change the way you look at things this this month i'm i'd love to give myself a challenge and i'm exploring the idea of um, a whole new world from a disney song could we imagine a whole new world one that's predicated on oneness and acceptance and the ability to walk each other home and to recognize that it's all spirit and we're just merely human beings we're spiritual beings and we're having this human experience And then to realize that nothing needs to change on the outside for us to be okay on the inside. We keep externalizing our good. If this happens and this happens and that happens, well, then I'll be okay. You don't need that to happen. And then you ultimately realize in this dance of oneness that we're all walking each other home. And you guys walk me home as much as I do you, hopefully. And, you know, it's such a surprise to find out where your guru was going to come from. I use that metaphor, G-U-R-U. So the guru on the outside points to the guru on the inside. My current guru is a blind and deaf pug who is such a teacher for me because he's so compromised. And I think I'm tending him, but I recognize every time I pick him up in his diminished capacity and set him in the chair by the side, he just melts like butter, puts his little head on my thigh, and he starts to snore. And I sit there and I can hold him for hours until my legs are going to sleep. He's content. I'll put him down, he falls over, he doesn't know where he is. He'll go and stand by the tub and start to howl. I'll pick him up, I'll put him in the chair, he puts his head on my knee and he's in heaven. So my friend Tom was visiting me from Atlanta and he says, this isn't a dog, this is an angel. You've got an angel here. And he kept calling her his baby girl. I said, he has a thing hanging down between his legs, he's not a little girl. And then he says, to me, he's a little girl. He's got the energy of a little girl. And I said, that's because baby Speck was his mother She wasn't really his mother, but when we got the pug, he didn't have a mother. He suffered from not having a mother. So baby Speck, our female, that looks just like Pepper, he would nurse on her and nurse on her and nurse on her. And she let him. Nursing, 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 nursing. She looked at me. Nursing, 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 nursing. And then he tried to do it to Bert, the male dog. He would, you don't nurse on me. And then, but Bert being the loving soul, Susan knew him well. Bert would come over and he'd lick his ears because he always had ear mites. Then he'd lick his eyes. He only has one of those eyes next. Then he would lick his armpits. Pugs have an odor problem. And Bert would take care of that pug. And when he would lie down, Bert would come over and he'd put his head on top of this pug. You saw how divine love works. So if you can see it on the outside, it's because it's waking up on the inside. It's all an inside job. So yeah, I'm talking about building a whole new world. Last week I said it's time to wake up. And the way you wake up, there's something that wakes up within us that Anastasia talked about, this thing that's always been there. It's trying to say, holy cow, I've been given this amazing life. Could I see the grace and the beauty in it? So this thing wakes up within us, and then we get to wake into our unhealed stuff. That's the stuff in the subjective mind. Rumi says this being human is like a guest house. Come knocking at the door of your consciousness are all these parts of us that haven't been healed. I've got a little boy in me. Who is very, very fragile. And he shows up all the time. And you know the irony? He's the fragile one, but he's also the magical one. So here's the fragile, magical one. And when I had that heart attack at at age 69 and at at a spiritual retreat a couple of weeks after it, everybody's trying to fix me and tap me and and, and heal. And my little boy, he was, you know, he said, You abandoned me 60 years ago when I was little. Don't abandon me now. So I ran away from all the people and it went up to a tree. I'm up in Colorado in the mountains. And I'm holding on to this tree. And I, I was six or seven years old, and I was being loved by the tree. And I asked the tree, do you have something I can take with me to hold on to? I'm a teddy bear kind of a kid. I was raised with teddy bears. And he didn't have Every little branch had bugs in it. So I thought, oh, this is their home. But right next to it was this stone. And so I picked up the stone, and I was holding onto the stone. And I realized, just like with the pub, the stone was holding on to me. Now, does that sound crazy? Something was beginning to shift, and the relationships we have are not so much transactional now, but they're transformative relationships. So at this stage of our evolution, could we be willing to let go of the part of us that we've identified with as the pathological part and begin to explore this magical part that is there assisting us in figuring things out? And it's going to happen in our own unique way. Miss Ashley, it's nothing off the rack for us. It's got to be unique from the universe itself. And then it comes in these miraculous little ways. Um, I'm teaching this class called The Grace in Aging. And it's, it's such a sacred thing for me because it's all about grace. And this lovely lady has this very simple practice that I thought we could start with. It's about putting whatever problem you have in your heart and then nurturing it. Here's how she puts it so beautifully. The opening of the heart is a liberation from the limitations of fear. I open my heart whatever limited, limiting fear there might be. And then she says, opening the heart dissolves the wall between ourself and others, and it also dissolves the wall between ourself and the sacred. We can take the wall down, we don't have to be afraid. It leaves the heart with no need to defend itself. I got a, a lovely letter in the mail from a lady from Washington State who's been listening to the talks, and I mentioned uh, a book here, called Undefended Love. Isn't that the name, Nancy? And she wanted to know who the author was. I can't remember. Oh, it'll come. Anyway, she's probably watching right now. Thank you for your lovely letter. And she said, I would give anything to be at a revealing service. She said, they used to do them in my church. And she said, I may have to fly into Huntsville just so I can be a part of that healing experience. (laughs) Opening our heart, she says, then life becomes not so much about difficulty, although difficulties may certainly still arise for us. We simply, with an open heart, hold everything more lightly. With our open heart, we take those challenges and we hold them more lightly. We don't get so worried about that stuff because we treat it lightly in the space of heart. We don't have to sit there and worry about our political situation or the economic or the the global wars or the global heating or the anti-LGBTQ movement that's happening on the planet right now. Just saying. We can just... uh, Hold it lightly in our heart, and know that our better angels will operate somehow in this world. He's trying to convince himself, as always. So I always look for an example of somebody who takes the power of the heart and heals themselves. In our lovely Science of Mind magazine, by John Waterhouse, does the treatments in one of these months. It's really sweet. Our dear friend. There's a story of a woman who is was raised in Israel, and she, through her Jewish roots, she lives with PTSD about the Holocaust. And her whole life, she's tormented with one thing after another, and she tried in a religious science church to pray it away, to treat it away, to pretend that it never happened. But she finally realized that she had PTSD from the Holocaust experience. So by meeting, by taking her traumatic parts of herself into the wisdom of her heart, she healed it. And I just want to give you the taste of how she healed it by needing it, not by running away from it, not by denying it, not by treating it away. She said, let me get a little bit of help here. I say I don't need glasses, but sometimes it's nice to have a little help. Um, One of the images that came to me during my healing process in a session was a scene where two little Jewish girls were in a rowboat on a peaceful mountain lake, and they were surrounded by cabins. One little girl looked right at me, and gesturing around the lake at at the smiling people that were waving from the cabin porches, she said, see, we're really fine. She was seeing those that had died, but they're all now telling her in this vision that they're okay. This is how she was healing it, meeting these demons that became flowers. In that moment, I finally came to the awareness that whether people survived the Holocaust or perished, there was a part of each of them that can never be touched. It can never be hurt. And that part is intact always, completely unscathed and unaffected by the atrocities they went through. That part, of course, is spirit that resides in all life. And that part is always whole. That is the nature of spirit. So by her willingness to meet these demons in her life, at this ripe old age, she was finally finding the grace and the healing and the willingness to see that God was there right along, just a titch more of this lovely lady. That is true for every one of us. And when we connect with spirit, with a capital S, we are able to be at peace within whatever has come our way, and we can thrive as a fuller expression of our own divinity. Living from this place means knowing that we have everything we will ever need and that we always have a soft spot to land in spirit, no matter what is going on and no matter what our history looks like. She fell into the embrace of this loving, compassionate heart, and she just took up... mm, her attention there, let it feed her. She was no longer the victim of the history. She no longer saw this as a tragedy, maybe she did, but there was some kind of mm, transformation. She was no longer the little girl that was the victim. She had found the grace, the gift, the beauty in this lovely, sweet little article. Well, that's the invitation for all of us. How can we meet the stuff that's arising and um, embrace it for what it is? Meister Eckhart is one of my heroes because the Catholic Church excommunicated him after he died, because he was saying things that really pissed them off, excuse me for saying that. Anyway, it's Meister Eckhart's book of the darkness and the light. He was a Jungian, before Jung was even a twinkle in his mother's eye. So in this lovely book, he asks these simple little questions, and this is one that I just fell in love with. What is the hardest thing of all for us to face in life? You won't believe what the hardest thing to face is, Michael. Be ready to be surprised. The hardest thing in life is to love yourself just as you are, not as how you see yourself or hope yourself to be someday, in warts and all, falling down, sobbing, laughing, to love yourself right where you are, to be seen by others, and not to care what they think. You'll know you're on the right path when you find that you love everyone as much as you love yourself because you don't see them as separate anymore. Hmm, how will you know that this is true? You'll love them for who they are. As bearers of God, ignoring what you might want them to be or to become, you're no longer trapped in my idea of how things should look. No, 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 no. It's as simple as this and as demanding as this as well. And you have a lifetime to practice getting it right. You have a lifetime of practice to learn to embrace the chaos and find the hidden order, which is the title of today's talk. To embrace the chaos that life has given you. It is chaotic out there. But then at the same time, to find that there is an order trying to come through this, an emergent evolution. There's a new sense of who I am, how I'm meeting it. And then you hear Barbara Mark Hubbard, this wonderful evolutionary throw forward, talked about we're here, evolving into a new species on planet. She called it Homo Universalis, the universal human. And she gives 52 practices in order to experience that. I'm just going to give you one of Barbara's practices. This is like a little gospel for me. She says, get ready. It's time for us to repattern our next stage in this evolution of life. We're going to repattern. You're going to be born again, Paula. Again and again and again and again. A repatterning, Ms. Jeanette is what she's talking about. Here's how we do it. Get ready to repattern for this next stage when a larger pattern is ready to emerge for you. And so here's how she links it. The universe is calling us. The larger process of evolution is a repositioning of you. You're no longer the victim. You're no longer the little me who's thinking these are product of the system. No, 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 no. There's a higher you that's calling, that wants to emerge. This is how she puts it. Due to our planetary shift, and I would say the global consciousness shift, your new position is being readied for you by the universe. Now you must be ready for it. It's calling you to wake up to your true nature, Miss Anastasia. Are you ready to leap into the wholeness and the oneness and to step out of the widow? I wonder. Here's how she puts it. Everything that is dysfunctional in our lives will get more dysfunctional so that a new functionality can start emerging. You know, when it needs to fall apart, sometimes it needs to completely fall apart before you can build a new garden. So your new identity is as a young universal human and it is now taking hold. We're no longer wallowing in the dust of me, the victim of yesterday's history, but that old order is falling away through this chaotic stage of what she called dysfunction, so that this new order can emerge. Your new identity as this young universal human now takes hold and your creativity unfolds toward a new purpose in life. I see David always being triggered by a new purpose in life. He's always asking that question. He's always coming with a beautiful idea. How can I serve at a higher level? What if we're all being invited to ask that question? How can I serve and be an instrument for divine love and compassion? His last little bit here, she. The larger pattern is the shift in our planetary body. It's now calling us to express ourselves in new dynamic ways. The future present. She's taking now. Remember, time collapses. So this future in the world, which is present right now, could we imagine a whole new world where we're getting along? Maybe we'll sing about that next week. Don't worry about a thing because we have this vision of a greater world. I was reading Ernest Holmes and he was talking in 1952. Um, he was doing a meditation he was with a client one day and all of a sudden it was during World War II and he had this flashback. Oh, he said the world Japan's going to end the war. There's going to be I see a big bomb with a with thing. He said and the, the bomb is going to end the war. And then Ernest Holmes said I think that's what prophecy is all about. He said if I could prophecy that World War II would end through a vision that I had. Before it ended, he says, what if we could do the same thing with consciousness around global peace? Could we envision a whole new world where we're coming together in love? Well, that's Ernest Holmes saying, build a vision and it will start to manifest in the world. The larger pattern is the shift from the planetary body now calling us to express ourselves in a new dynamic way. The future present is magnetizing us forward. And as you feel called to this greater awareness and action, be ready for the very fabric of your life to repattern, The old is gonna fall away so that a new pattern can restore itself within you. Well, are you ready? Are you ready to have a resurrection? Ernest Holmes says you have to have your own resurrection. In order to have that, you have to have your own crucifixion. Something has to die. This old false identity that seems to keep us bound so that this liberating something can emerge. Are you ready to take the trip? Oh, I'm just asking. He says, let go of what does not work and allow these new patterns to draw us forward by the law of attraction. Hopefully, you came to the Center for Spiritual Living through the law of attraction. You saw others that were also on fire with this potential and possibility. Susan would drive from Florence every week just to be in our community, and we would drink from each other's cup. She said, notice that. This is not a one-time event, but is a continuous process of unfolding toward life ever evolving. You don't get off the train. No, you stay on it because you're never finished. We keep evolving and growing until wherever we look, we see the face of God and we see it as our own face because it's all us. There's only one here. Then the question is, can we make a commitment to this, mm, to this participation? This is a participatory life, and it's going to it's going to manifest in how we participate within it. I pulled up this last book, Richard Rohr's, on the new patterns within. And he touched throughout this whole book, we got to move from order to disorder to reordering. We move from um, the, the thesis. This is what life's supposed to be like. Turn on the Christian tradition. They've got their thesis. Then you've got someone like Meister Eckhart or David Leonard. Then there's the antithesis. And then you get the synthesis, where you begin to weave it all in. Dr. Ernest Holmes was a synthesizer. He wove the wisdom of the Bhagavad Gita with the Upanishads, with the Dharmapada, with the Christian teachings, Jewish teachings, the Muslim teachings, and all the same. You see the patterns. In the very end of the book, he does a prayer. Well, oh, I'm going to do this prayer for all of us. It's going to say we're going to be committed to this mm, bigger something. It's, kind of, it's called the reconstructionist creed for those of you who want to get on this path that we're the way. You know, when you heal your stuff in here, that's how you heal the planet. And when two or more are gathered in a healing consciousness, this planet heals at an even higher level. So they need us. My friend Tom Flack, he spoke here one Sunday when I was out of town, and he planted people in the audience, and then he, his whole mission, because he's a mystic, he was on Ghana beach, and this divine presence called him, and he said, okay, God, you can use this life as you will, but let me have fun with it. That was his mantra, and he says, the divine presence said, sure. So he comes to class this Wednesday, and he pulls out this video of the movie, My Best Friend's Wedding, with, um, what's her name, Julia Roberts, and... Um, What's the song? Oh. The moment I wake up, before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for you, and you, and you, forever and ever. And so we're all laughing as we're singing this little song. That's kind of this thing. I Could we make a little prayer for this evolution to come through all of us as one life? And So here's how he says the rec- Resurrections Creed. Let us end on a happier note. Let us, as St. Francis said, begin again and allow this following creed to inspire our efforts to rebuild this new consciousness. Here's St. Francis. We believe in one God. There is one body, one spirit, one life, one hope. And we are in that. This is Ephesians. And then he says, we agree to bear the burden and the grace of our part in this experience. To embrace the grace of our past. And we agree to honor what is, which includes even the broken things of our life. We agree to honor what is, which includes even the broken things of life, ourselves, our churches, state, and all institutions. The shadow side of each of these is a good and necessary teacher. The shadow side of all creation is a teacher waiting to show us the light inherent hidden within it. So he says, we are committed to building a small world of meaning and hope. There's that word hope again, Gene. A small world of meaning and hope. And we recognize the clear need for prophetic demonstration of all idolatries that make the worship of God impossible. He says, kill God. Get rid of that old-time religion. I, I loved it was Richard Rohr said. Um, he said, a sick religion is the one that will sustain these uh, rituals and traditions Uh to keep the world sick instead of liberating us and finding a whole new world. So it's time to find this whole new world true. Um, We are committed to building a world of meaning and hope. We recognize the clear need for prophetic demonstrations, uh, deconstruction of idolatries that make the worship of God impossible. True rebuilding must follow this temporary but necessary unbuilding. You must be willing to die to the old if you would embrace the new. There has to be a deconstruction of how you approach relationships if you want a new relationship. If you keep doing it the same way you always did, you'll have the same dysfunction you always had. So what if we could approach spirituality not as a little boy who thought he was committing a mortal sin, but someone who recognized sin is merely self-inflicted nonsense and I get a greater idea. He goes on to say, We believe in a personal universe where the divine image shines through all created things, it is therefore an enchanted universe where we can always live in reverence and even adoration before the good, before the true, and before the beautiful. We're in a state of reverence for that which is, and we get to call it the good, the true, and the beautiful amidst the appearances of darkness and contraction and fear and confusion. And So then could we embrace the confusion when it arises? I was gonna wear a T-shirt this Sunday morning, but the T-shirt's old as Methuselah, and you already think I'm strange enough, so I'll just tell you about the T-shirt. When I left Maine, and I was lost, and I was traveling through Canada, I stopped at this little roadside thing, and this person had gone through so many changes in their life, they were a lost soul, he was a potter, he was an artist, and now he's making tie-dye T-shirts. And so I said, oh, your T-shirts are really creative. And then he held this one up, and he said, but this one is the gospel of my life. And it said on the front of the T-shirt, embrace, confusion. He said, I'm the most confused person you'll ever find in this lifetime. But then you turn the t-shirt around. There's this beautiful orange thing. And there's this thing in the center and it says, and stay centered. So we embrace confusion, but stay centered. So I wore that for the longest time. And I would have worn it for you too, but you already think I'm a peasant as it is. So could we embrace those confusing, chaotic times in our life, knowing that they're transformational? And then we sit there and have a dialogue with ourselves. Okay. Hmm. So we do a little closing meditation, or should we do that song and thing and then do the meditation? Jan, would you ring the bell, please, for us? Oh, by the way, next Saturday, uh, our Founder's Day picnic will be on Monte Sano at the Pavilion from 11 to 1. Bring a dish. And if you want to bring your pup, I'll bring the pug. Bring Pepper and her friend. And we'll just have a celebration of love. Okay, Jan. Ah, so put a love in your heart. Put a little love. Love those those seed intentions and then feel what it feels like when the seeds of love are growing within your heart. Love for your body. This body that serves us so well all these many, many years even though sometimes there's aches and pains. Maybe it's a hip or a leg or this. But then we can just stretch it and say thank you my beautiful body for mm, journeying with me in this lifetime. And then we put our our head in our hearts, the Sufi admonition, put your head in your heart. And so our thoughts, when they arise, they're embraced by love. So it might be a fearful thought that arises, but when that fearful thought is loved, just like when the pug is held, it has a way of dissolving. And then you hear the acronym for fear, F-E-A-R, forgetting that everything is really all right. And the other acronym would be hmm, false evidence appearing real. But I prefer the first. When I forget that everything is really all right, then I become fearful. So now I take a deep breath, an integrating breath, of gratitude, grateful for life, and how it's giving me these opportunities to take the wall down between my heart and what life brings to me. So then the heart can meet the struggle on the outside. And transmute it through love. Like I do with the pug every day. A dozen times a day. And then I say what a beautiful teacher he is. You meet life on life's terms. But you meet it from a loving place. And then it becomes a teacher. It has a gift in it. And when you make a demand on the universe. You know teach me. So we pause and we let our attention move into this sacred now moment. Thich Nhat Hanh was on my Zen calendar this morning and said all we ever have is this moment and if you miss the moment, you miss your life. This is serious stuff. So we have this moment to choose, are we going to take the wall down and let our heart experience the beauty, the mystery, the belonging to each other. And when we hug another, we're hugging our own self. I hadn't seen Susan in such a long time, and when she walked in that door, my little boy ran up and threw his arms around her. It's as if I'd seen my little sister. And so could we let the love lead the way? And then the law will make the way possible. This morning in our revealing service, my beloved Bert, the dog, wanted to be a part of the circle. And so I pulled the teddy bear out so that he could move around the circle with us knowing that he has always been such a healing force in our lives. And so what if those who are no longer here in form are also here in spirit and they're assisting us through this journey and we get to smile to them. They're always here for us. And then we come to a deeper realization that spirit was never born and spirit will never die. And we get to recalibrate. Ah. I'm a spiritual being and I'm having a human experience. And as I do the work on healing this human experience, I heal the whole body of life because we're part of the one body of life. So we give thanks for this mystery of belonging. Uh, and now we dare to imagine a whole new world. a One where chaos leads to a higher order. One where the wisdom of the heart Embraces the troubled mind and the troubled emotions. And when they're held and when they're loved and when they're seen and when they're heard, whatever nattering nabobs of negativity might be hanging around, they just fall away because now they've been heard and they're no longer stomping their feet to be seen and heard. We've embraced them. We've actually held them in our heart. Now I'd like you to hold yourself in your heart just the way you are I hear Louise Hay singing, I love myself the way I am. and There's nothing that I need to change. I'll always be, always and forever, the perfect me. There's nothing to rearrange because I'm beautiful and I'm capable of being the best me I am. And I'm gonna love myself just the way I am. And in that, I'm loving the world just the way it is. And in that, love takes dominion. And we begin to see things in a new way. You're Julian of Norwich. All is well. And all shall be well. Because we put a little love in our heart. And the best is yet to come. And won't it be fine? Because all you need is love. Yeah, da, da, da. da. All you need is love. Because it makes the world go round. And Burt Backrack is here singing to me. I say a little prayer for you. And we smile. Because the ancestors are with us, assisting us in assuming the consciousness that's required for this essential shift to homo universalis, the universal human, where we're going to see everything in a new light. That's all a part of the one life, here to be embraced in the heart of the one that knows no other. We are that. All there is, is that. And we rejoice and are glad in it. Can I have an ee haw? And haw! <laughs> and so it is. So it is. Listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org.